Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Dr. Barbara Ann Murphy. She is the founder of Equilume. Ooh, I should have asked that beforehand. Equine Loom. So it's equine, but take off the N and the E and put loom on it. Dr. Barbara Ann Murphy, and I'll ask her how to pronounce it in one second. Dr. Barbara Ann Murphy is head of equine science and program director of the BAGRSE Animal Science Equine degree at the University College Dublin. Following a BSc in equine science from the University of Limerick, she spent a year working with the thoroughbred industry before, a, before pursuing a PhD in veterinary, scientists, veterinary science at the prestigious Gluck Equine Research Center at the University of Kentucky. Her widely read PhD, PhD dissertation entitled Investigations of Circadian Regulation and Immune Circadian Interaction in the Horse shone light for the first time on a new era of equine science research, chronobiology. Her current research, and we'll talk about it more, relates to studying how environmental cues, primarily photoperiod, regulate biological rhythms in animals. But before we get to the rest of her studies, which we're going to talk about more, we got to talk about, come on, man, the easy folks, Greg, Eric, Keystone Technologies. Go to K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com. I go there every day. How about you, Greg? I do. And in this case, you can not only go to their website, but you can actually book a Keystone Live demo. And what that is, is their demo room that has light fixtures, has tubes, has drivers, has basically everything they offer on the wall. They'll put you on there live. You can test it out, play around with it, see what it's all about. Or maybe you can even go there like I did. And you see it in person, you see the product, it's a lot easier to sell. So check out Keystone Live. Go to keystonetech.com. That's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com. And, of course, proud members of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's right, folks. Get get educated. Get associated. Go to NAILD.org. But for right now, Dr. Barbara Ann Murphy, welcome to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. I've got a question. I don't know if I want to start with this, though, because it – but I'm gonna just because that's, that's kind of where my brain went <laughs> when I looked at this. Okay, the lighting industry talks all the time about the health effects on humans, the human health effect. Mm. But maybe like a lot of the other things that we end up learning about, we need to test it on animals. Is that what you guys are doing? Not exactly. No. The reason we're we're looking at lighting in for animals is because it's so hugely important to their welfare and their health. So just like humans. Any organism that evolved on a planet over the last four billion years that it took us to to get to where we are now was supposed to constantly changing cycles of light and dark. And it is those regularly occurring lights which control just about every aspect of our health. So just as we know how profoundly light impacts human health, it's the light you give give yourself during the day or at night time. Any of the animals in our care are exposed to whatever lighting we choose to give them. So it's really important that we're aware of that. We have taken animals who would normally be out in the fields, on the plains, and brought them into stables, brought them into housing complexes and into our homes. So it can have a huge impact on their health but also their productivity within the kind of the agricultural industry, their reproduction in the, the horse breeding industry, for example. So we got to, Michael read a little bit about your background, but how did you get to the point of 
starting this company? I know it's probably a, a long version or short version, but how did you get to this point? So the company, which is called Equiloom, you were, you were pretty close there, Mike. Um, Equiloom is basically um, performance lighting for horses. And it's all based on the concept that blue light has a profound impact on our bodies and our horses' bodies. So to give you just a little bit of background about the horse industry, Horses are seasonal breeders, so they are normally reproductively active and having their foals in the spring, just like most young animals are born in the spring. But because they have a 11-month pregnancy length, they are also reproductively active and breeding in the spring. But some gentlemen, and I'm going to blame a man for this because I don't think a woman would have this mistake, some in the 1800s decided that all horses would have a universal birth date of the 1st of January. And the whole idea was that you wanted two-year-old horses to compete with two-year-olds, three-year-olds with three-year-olds to level the playing field for competition. So like getting your kids under the baseball team or whatever, you needed to be born within a certain time of the year. But they chose January. And the problem with this date is that now horse breeders want their foal born in January or February as close to the start of the year as possible so that when they get to the yearling sales or they get to the racetrack, they're more mature so that a two-year-old who was born in January is much more likely to be mature enough to race than a two-year-old that was born in June when nature intended. So lighting has been used horse breedery to fool mares into thinking it's summer before it's summer. So from the start of December, in a lot of the stables throughout Kentucky, Texas, Oklahoma, wherever they're breeding horses all around the world or within the northern hemisphere, we leave the lights over our horses until 11 o'clock at night. By giving them a 15 or 16 hour duration light, it changes the hormones in circulation in the mare and they come into, into season early. But in order to put them in a box and put a light over their head, you've got to clean out their stables every day and pay for electricity. And it works very So having had spent some time uh, working with horses on stud farms in Kentucky and mares, kind of miserable, some of them wishing they were out with their buddies walking the paddock, thinking, well, how can we give them light that can have the same effect and not have to keep them in stables? And at that time, there was a lot of interest in the different colors of light, the different wavelengths of light and how it affects our body clock. So what we know is the light that the sun produces on a nice sunny day has a very high level of blue. It's why the sky is blue. On and we know that blue light particularly has a very powerful effect on our hormone rhythms and on our body so I wondered whether if we just used blue light and maybe we could just give it to one eye on a and put it on a timer, leave the mares outside, leave the horses outside and let the timer have the blue light come on it and stay on till 11 o'clock. Would that be a way of bringing these mares into season so that they could produce early babies? And lo and behold, it worked. So light to one eye, low intensity, blue light triggers the receptors that control the mares can be outside in the paddock not costing their owners any money and they're healthier 
and they are doing what we need them to do to use early foals for the racetrack and for every other discipline that we use horses for. You know, it scares me how powerful the status quo bias is. It's a very, very powerful force. You know, when so something's been done a certain way for so long that it, it mm-hmm. becomes so difficult to, to then change it. Um, the, the, the same is true of Canadian hockey players. So if you were to look at Canadian hockey players that play at high levels, they're all born, you look at their birthdays, most of them are born in uh, January, February, or March. <laughs> it's really strange because they all start hockey. The hockey season is from, they go by year, but the hockey yeah. season is from September to, to uh, whatever, till you know, whatever, March. And the, the, the proclivity for boys to born early in the year to, to, to become professionals is stark. It's very, very, you'll see. That's if you look amazing. At, yeah. If you look at, at the birth dates of NHL players, it, you'll see it goes like this, January to December. It goes like that. So it's and not so, just the Kentucky Derby winners. No, it's not just the Kentucky <laughs> Derby winners. So this idea of animal husbandry. So is what you're doing um, is, you know how, so I've been to a lot of chicken farms. Um, I know I've seen this, this type of, I've been to pork farms as well. And I've seen how they can use light to make more eggs and to grow bigger as a part of growing larger hens and this sort of stuff. Do you have any ethical concerns with this use of light in those applications, perhaps with the way we treat animals using light? Well, from my perspective, the, the, the way that we use light is, is to improve the husbandry practice and to reduce stress levels in horses. There's always ethical considerations for any animal studies when you're trying to increase productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, different animals are, have different sensitivities to different wavelengths of light, depending on how they evolved, whether they were on where they to penetrate through the leaves of a tree or whether they were outdoor on plains where they're a lot more sensitive to, to blue light. So different wavelengths of light affects their body and can improve growth. But when it's done in a manner that is strengthening the natural internal rhythms of the animals, when it's strengthening their circadian rhythms, but also paying note and taking care to look at the welfare parameters, to look at behavior changes, then there is no issue. Where it might be ethically is when you're trying to overforce a situation using light for long periods of time. But I have very little experience of the poultry industry other than Mm. I know that chickens have different sensitivities to light and different stages in their life cycle they're more sensitive to different colors and types of light. So from the point of view of what we do with most large animal livestock is we bring them indoors a lot. And when you bring anything indoors, you're taking them out of the high quality blue enriched light that our environment creates. And where there are ethical considerations is the inappropriate use of light at nighttime. An animal living outside, just like we once did, is only used to the changes in light, slight minutes change as seasons progress. So dawn and dusk always occur at approximately the same time. So you should respect that in an animal that is housed. And it's always important that they have a consolidated period of darkness at night time. 
red light, which we now know in certain species, red light is almost akin to darkness because it doesn't stimulate the important receptors that control our body clock. So where the ethical issues are is where we, and it's similar in humans. It's, it's why we find there are so many health issues with people who work continuous changing shift work or working late at night where you have lights on when your body needs to rest. It is respecting the internal rhythm of blue enriched light by day and an absence of blue enriched light at night where you put away your LED screens and you put away your, your cell phones late at night. Does that answer that question a little bit? It does. Bit? <laughs> uh, you know, it's a conversation. So, you know, we don't always answer the question. Sometimes we're, we go back and forth. On it. <laughs> um, so when it comes to the Equilume light mask, okay, mm -hmm. are there any downsides for the animal with this, with this type of treatment? Is there something that, you know, that they, does it, does it impact their circadian rhythm or is just that one eye enough to do the, like I'm fascinated that it goes over one eye. So you're triggering some sort of photobiological process by putting it over the eye, but then the other eyes is seeing the field and the dark sky at night and that. Yes. And so, yeah. Yep. So exactly. Tell me a little I mean, bit about the that. reason it's, reason it's one eye is that in order to make sure we weren't impeding nighttime vision, so that they could actually be out, they couldn't have issue. Um, and because horses' heads, their eyes are, are laterally positioned, they could have light over one eye. So the level of blue light that we use is a thousand times less than on a cloudy day. Okay, so the level of blue light is 50 lux. Your normal office space would be 300 lux light intensity. And we all we do is put it on and extend their day. So they get the light comes on at around dusk and it turns off at half 10, 11 o'clock at night. So then they go back into their darkness. So what you're doing is giving them a, a, um, a lengthened day to advance their period of reproductive activity, which they would normally get in stables. Mm. So we're, your horses and animals normally have two important rhythms. We have a four-hour rhythm and have an annual or 365-day rhythm. And when it comes to reproduction in horses, it's it has a very strong annual rhythm. So we bring that forward. But we also have, um, Equilume have light masks that are now just developed for health and performance in horror, where the light is, is worn from 8 in the morning until 11 o'clock at night. And that is to counteract the poor, stable lighting that we normally house horses under. Mm. So the idea is being to try and mimic the light that you get from outdoor environment in the sun to improve and strengthen, as you mentioned, the circadian rhythm. So what happens for a lot of people who are who have shift work, jet lag, um, and disorders where you're you're getting inappropriate light at different times of the day, is your rhythm becomes out of sync or it flatlines. So instead of having this healthy on-off switch in all the genes in your body, things start to flatline. Um, and allowing that rhythm to resynchronize with the environment using light correctly improves the overall health and immunity. So there's no uh, negative impact on the on the eye health, and we had to do a number of studies just to double check and make ensure that so that we could show people that there wasn't any any eye health issues. I mean, it's lower than looking at a at a cell phone. 
and checking your email. Um, but the other um, benefit is, again, just for improving circadian and 24-hour rhythms. So we've seen quite a lot of improvements in horses that might suffer from behavioral issues who don't like being stabled. And just like with humans who have seasonal affective disorders and sometimes don't like the cloudy, wet, gray Irish winters, which mm -hmm. I can I can put my hand up and say I'm one of them. Having a blue light and blue light treatment is actually a way to alleviate the symptoms by improving mood and giving you some of that sunlight back into your life. Hmm. As a lighting geek here, I assume I know the answer, but is it? It's an LED light, right? That we use LED for energy efficiency. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's good. It saves energy, <laughs> but. How does it how does it actually operate then? Is it a I assume battery operated because it's moving with the horse, the mask? Yeah, it's it's on the headpiece. So there is a rechargeable lithium-ion battery. So in one of the masks, there's a rechargeable battery, and another one, if they're just being used for to bring forward a breeding season, the, the mare only needs to wear it for three to four months. So they just last for three to four on the battery and the electronics are replaced for the following year. So how many different types of masks are there? <laughs> right now we have three different types because you have you've different um, markets and, and different some breeders want to have a mask that they will use every year and put it back on the same mare. So they want to keep the headpiece and have a re interchangeable uh, battery for, for each season. But then you have performance horses who um, want to keep a nice shiny coat. So it also impacts um, their, a lot of animals get a heavy winter coat. Mm -hmm. And in the performance horse industry, they shave that coat so that they can thermoregulate, so they can cool down after exercise better. So they clip them with, and instead of having to do that, you can use light to try to keep their coat nice and smooth and shiny for most of the year. Mm -hmm. So that also is another application. So a mask like that recharges chargeable because you'll use it longer period of time so they recharge it once a week do you have a little mask i can put on mine and greg's heads to grow back our hair they're opening for people tried to do it once but with their glasses but um certainly space there for some human lighting hmm and and you have so you have the masks. You also have a, a stable light. What is it that's right that for them? So the stable light is is um, for obviously that they're stable. So the problem with when we manage horses is particularly if you have if you have brood mares and you need to check if a mare is going to foal. You might need to medicate a horse during the night who's sick. A lot of of um, competition. Horse owners come back late at night and come into the barn. And if they have other horses, they'll turn on one light and everything wakes up. So every time you put white light at night, particularly over horses who are very sensitive, their nighttime sleepiness hormone will immediately drop to baseline levels when you turn on a white light. One of the things we wanted to do is can we, can we develop a, a stable light which is naturally blue enriched and um, covers the spectrum of the daylight spectrum produced by the sun, but then also mimics dawn and dusk. So instead of abruptly 
coming on morning and this is very it's very common technology now to have a dimmer to dim up the light in the morning but in the evening time instead of going to darkness we tested so we could use a really low intensity of red light that was enough to be able to visually see and interact with the animals, but doesn't impact their melatonin rhythm. So still keeps their body clock in sync, allows them to rest at night. For Equilume stable to a low intensity red light at night, which allows the horses to not be disturbed when we need to go in and bring horses in and out or check on a mare. And interestingly, most mares will only foal at nighttime. So as they're a prey species and they're used to hiding from predators when they're having their in the wild, they choose nighttime to foal. And what we find is if, if you're trying to watch them and you have them under a white light, it's like they'll cross the and go, no, I'm still gone and it's quiet. But what we found by leaving a low red light over them, we can still observe them, but they're relaxed enough and they go mm. ahead and they foal um, safely with you ready to inter intervene if, if they need help. I'm sure you hate the word human centric lighting as much as we do. Um, but uh, this kind of group of, of names, health effects, circadian, all this kind of stuff, whatever you want, we'll set it aside. But let's say impacting wellness using light, for example. Okay, that's something mm -hmm. like that. Um, I think that cueing, this idea of cueing is really the Rosetta Stone. Where, because if you can, you talked about cueing the horses to wake up, and, and this is also, they've done this in hospitals, like in NICU wards, like instead of the nurses waking the mothers and babies up, they just start the light at a very dim, low Kelvin temperature level, and they slowly raise it over the course of an hour, and all the human beings in there wake up naturally, actually. And they found that um, the same was true of um, visiting hours that when they started to warm the, the, the color of the light and lower it slowly over the course of the time, people would naturally leave. Oh, geez, you know, hey, look, it's uh, getting late. We better stop visiting you. It's time to go. And so they had much less of this wake up, go home interactions, which are very negative. Um, so, but I think this idea of cueing, what we can, you know, this, you know, the other one was the, um, that Dr. Ray came up with, Dr. Mark Ray, where he has like a vertical orientation system for elderly folks in the night. It's very warm color. It's a linear um, up and down line. And when they wake up, it allows their brain to orient orientate themselves to what's up and down. And I think we probably have a lot more latitude to study these things on animals than we would on human beings. And I hate to, I know going back to the beginning of the podcast, um, how can we take some of what you've learned and some of the instincts that you have, like knowing that horses are like this, like somehow humans have come to believe that we don't, we're not impacted by this for some reason. You know what, you understand what I'm saying? That we're above the circadian rhythm and it doesn't, doesn't affect us. How can we take some of these, you know, where animals are much, it seems like you're much more advanced with application of this understanding and technology with animals than we are with humans. How can we cross that over to general lighting um, industry? Hmm. Uh, that's an interesting one. Is not something, I, maybe the, the, the terminology is different to what I'm, I'm used to, but I mean, what you're doing is using the internal body rhythm and light is helping, helping with that. Um, one of the things, if, if it's about 
people a little bit skeptical. There are some very, well, there are some experiments that could definitely be done on humans to, to show that there is a very strong circadian rhythm. One of the things we did recently in racehorses, and racehorses are under a very regimental lifestyle. Um, they train at almost the same time every morning. They are fed regimentally at the same time. The lights go on and off. And what we did was simply change the lighting from what was uh, incandescent bulbs and nice, the, the stables had skylights. So I thought, well, they're getting lots of natural light in, so maybe putting in our light won't have any effect lights to the circadian lighting that dimmed down at the dawn and dusk the the for the body clock and how we showed and tried to explain to the trainers that it was having a huge effect on their body was as you know when the light enters the eye it travels to a part of the brain that is the seat of, of our master clock in the suprachiasmatic nucleus or the SCN. It's kind of like your pacemaker. And the pacemaker then sends out signals to every single organ in the body to control what genes are turned on and off. And we know that 20 to 30% of in nearly every tissue have this lovely 24-hour rhythm that regulates the physiology of that organ. But it's very hard to chop up to look at what genes are turned off in different organs. But one thing that you, we, we found that we could do is you could pluck some hair or mane or tail. And if you pluck a hair and there's little cells at the end of your hair follicle, we looked at the genes in the hair follicles of horses over 24 hours, whether they were under this typical lighting, the typical management, or we changed to the circadian lighting with the cues, with the dawn and dusk. And what we found was the horses that didn't bed at night and didn't have the blue enriched light by day, their genes that controlled rhythm were flat. And very profoundly, after a few weeks mm. under the other system, these genes wow. were going up and down with a rhythm. And it looks like a waveform. It's just wow. up and down. And the trainers were like, well, why do we care about hair? isn't relevant for performance that doesn't tell me they're going to run faster and it's it's not about the fact that it's in hair it's just if it's in hair it's also in muscle it's also in heart mm -hmm. it's also in lung capacity so everybody has a, a time of day when they perform best and generally in human athletes it's later in the afternoon when when our exercise capacity peaks and with horses it probably peaks at the time of day that they're normally trained. So it's just showing that rhythm of the is very much by the light that enters the eye and the type of light at the type of, of day. And it, it's exactly, cueing is amazing. If you imagine how we evolved in the evening, they, there's Horatio done some amazing study, studies in tribal peoples, in, in tribes and villages, that have electricity and don't have electricity and looking at their activity rhythms in a, in a human village setting. What he found was just prior to sunset was when our activity peaked. So you can imagine you have no electric light and you are getting ready and you want to have everybody safe and everybody inside in the mm -hmm. cave on the fire. Your activity is going to peak just before the sun sets. Mm. And we've messed that up completely. And in the, the villages that had electricity, their sleep rhythms were all different. Their activity rhythms were out. And we can see that 
you know, throughout the world, wherever we have light. So in the evening, our body is attuned to only seeing the orangey hues, as you said, the, the, the low color temperature even of the kind of firelight or candles. Mm. So if you can do that, now melatonin start to rise, which gives rise to a better night's sleep. And if you're sleeping, you're healing, your immune system is repairing, you're re recovering from illness better, and, and it's better for the, the ICU environment, the nursing home environment, the care home, and our own homes, if we can discipline ourselves to use the great lighting technology that's available now. Um, I don't know uh, if, does, does that put, It does. Uh, kind of it actually, it, it's, I'm just listening to you and it's fascinating. Um, what, you know, what's interesting is that this idea of light as stimulation, that's an interesting, like, I, that's kind of what I'm pulling from what you're saying is that humans are cued by light to be stimulated. And then you start to think about how we use our screens and our TVs and our phones. And this idea of, you know, there's, there's almost like a, um, a loss of darkness. We have a podcast called Starving for Darkness that we produce here in the studio. And it could easily be called Starving for Silence or Starving for, um, like, this idea. Light is, stimula is a stimulant. Blue light animals. is stimulant. Red light is the opposite effect right. on us. So, well, that's actually. I I would say that 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 red light can be as stimulating as blue light as long as the intensity is adjusted. So we can stimulate with red light as well, but it just blue light is particularly dangerous. But what I what I'm wondering is that is Ooh, dangerous. That's a dangerous word. I don't know if it's dangerous <laughs> or it's just okay. Or it's 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 bad for us at certain times of the day. That's is that fair? Um, That's so, but, fair. Yeah. But you know, we look at this and we say, okay, so we we're able to stimulate the um, the a horse to give birth at a different time of the year. Are we actually with our lighting practices doing the opposite to humans? Like, are we stimulating them in a way that's causing some of the um, hopelessness and the and the depression? I mean, antidepressants in Canada, I'm sure in Ireland it's the same way, are prescribed at a rate that would shock anybody. You would you would be shocked to find out how many people are daily taking antidepressants. Um, and that people are reporting that their lives are, are you know, 30% um, of people report that their job is BS, that they, their life, their daily work has no meaning to them whatsoever. And I'm wondering if, it, if there is something that we could do with light, starting with animals, you know, learnings from animals where we could say, you know what, um, actually, this does this to horses. It's probably something that's very old in mammals, this circadian stimulus this whatever it is that's causing the the horses to ovulate at a different time of the year there has to be an application there that can help human women or that can help um us feel better and and behave better with each other like what you're talking about with the tribe where you know the tribe there's like this everybody's moving at sunset and then everybody's calm there's something to that synchronicity that is completely lacking in Western countries. People are not in sync with one another in a, in a lot of different ways. Do you think that we could use what you're learning with animals and then some instincts that we have to uh, solve the health effects question that's in the industry right now for humans? I, I think the 
government is is doing a pretty good job of that too, Mike. Though I mean, we we know now that quite clearly that we need the blue and white by day. Anytime the sun is shining, the benefit of turning your head to the sky, and it's the absence of that at night. And there there's quite a lot of technology and the new tunable lighting that that's available for homes now used correctly. I mean, I mm. think the the technology is ahead of the science in that mm. the the manufacturer and the the innovations in lighting are going so quickly and in LED technology that they're almost outpacing the speed at which we can do research. And there are probably ethical reasons that you can alter people's behavior by changing the color of the light in a room. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, supermarkets take very good effect of that. They turn up the blue on the supermarket shelves. They wake you up. And then certain you want to spa and into the relaxation, they'll dim the lights down. And yeah, casinos are can, the best. Casinos yes, are the best at that. Exactly. Yeah, sure. But but with but I what I do agree with you is it's much easier to um get a group of, of animals that are somewhat similar together to change their lighting and monitor their behavioral outputs without being any, you know, asking them how they feel or trying to have all the variabilities that humans have or get them to all sit in the same stable for two weeks at a time. Because one of the things that we are learning, I mean, I approached it originally for solving a problem on for the breeding industry to improve the life, the lifestyle of all these that we use for breeding and how, how can we do it more naturally? And still, it's a win-win for the industry, but also the health of the animals. But we started to see side effects. And any of these masks, mares that were wearing the blue light mask, they were healthier, they looked better, and they seemed to be more fertile. And then when we brought in the stable light and we were looking at gene expression, and I was all but surely if you strengthen the, the circadian rhythm, you know, everything will be better. One of the things that we find is that horses with stereotypic behavior, which with have kind of like ticks in their behavior that move their head from side to side consistently or pace the box or just are a bit unhappy and, and are a little bit stressed, these seem to disappear using light. Hmm. You haven't given a drug. You haven't changed their feed. You've just changed their exposure to lighting by making it more regular and by allowing them to rest under hmm. a red light or darkness light. And you increase their mood by having them more in the sunlight. And we're clearly seeing evidence that it affects behavior that way. So, yes, of course. I mean, when I talk to breeders, it's great fun because it's not just educating them about how they can help with their horses. They also go, oh, would this light be good for me? And I'm like, well, yeah, when you get up in the middle of the mm -hmm. night, don't turn a white light if you want to use the restroom. Have a little red light because you keep yourself in sleep mode. Don't mm. alert yourself. And when you get up in the morning, those first of hours, if you want to really start working, get some blue light into you. Have a walk outside. Turn your face to the sky, regardless of the clouds. Just there's still a lot of blue light there. Mm -hmm. And it'll help wake you up and alert you. So absolutely. I mean, I think it's working hand in hand. Um, and where I get to the wonderful thing about about science and lighting is, in fact, all 
organism. When you go to a conference with other scientists, they could be working on, on frogs or on lizards or on cows or on humans, but it's all the same biology. Mm -hmm. And we're yes. learning more from each other all of the time. So it was when I heard from the human research world where they were using lighting in in patients post-surgery and we're seeing a halving on the recovery times just by mm -hmm. allowing the light to go red at night, I thought, well, we have so many veterinary clinics and we also have animals recovering from surgery. Mm -hmm. Can we change the lighting to impact that? And maybe I can get more traction sooner in animal health than people will suddenly start to think, okay, well, maybe I can use this for myself if I'm doing it for my dog. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I think that you can make some, you can do things with um, animals that other people would kind of cringe at. So like if I was studying, um, you know, if I was, uh, you know, um, someone that was studying female fertility in humans, I'd be listening very closely to what you're talking about. Now, I think it's, you, you know, you're not going to see women walking around with masks on over one eye. Humans don't have a seasonal reproduction rhythm, so it's a little bit different. There. But I'm sure that you, light impacts it in some way. It impacts their overall health and their stress and their immunity. So anything you can do to have a stronger circadian rhythm, if, you, if your internal rhythms are in sync with the environment, you are healthier. When you're out of alignment, you are more stressed. That stress leads to inflammation, leads to other aspects, which is going to not be good for fertility. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that for sure. You know, any, any mother with young children will tell you that if their kids are misbehaving, take them outside for a couple hours. You know, it's, you know, they, they, I know I have four kids, so I know that, you know, when they were young, you had to go outside every day. If you didn't go outside for a couple hours every day, you're, you were, um, your kids would start to go cuckoo, <laughs> like just start behaving badly. So, but I, yeah, so it's interesting, this journey of, um, how light impacts us. I think we're just starting to really figure it out. And, and I'm really thankful, uh, Dr. Barbara Ann Murphy, for that you were a guest on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. And folks, you made it to the end with us. You got to go to K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H dot com. Greg Eric, that's Keystone Tech, Light Made Easy. And book your Keystone Live demo to see all their product right there virtually at their site. They'll give you demonstrations so you can sell more lighting. That's what you want to do. That's right. KeystoneTech.com, the easy folks. And of course, proud members like Greg and I and the rest of the people in the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's NAILD.org, folks. And if you've made it to the end here, we know, you know we love you guys out there. Keep listening. Thanks for now. Bye. <laughs>